Hello and welcome to The Road Provides, a travel podcast for the next generation of travelers, adventurers, and vagabonds. Coming to you from the Happy Haven neighborhood in Whitefish, Montana, my name is Bradford Clements. I'm joined by my co-host in Denver, Nate Sundemeyer, a.k.a. the Joe Jonas of travel. Oh, that's absurd. <laughs> today, today we're dropping more travel takes. We'll try and tell you what the road provides means. And finally, we're flipping the script and presenting you guys with can't miss on trail destinations for you to consider on your next trip. So strap in kids. This pod might go off the rails at any minutes. This is The Road Provides. I'm burning up, burning up for you, baby. I heard Nate likes travel armpits. Again, welcome everybody. We are getting weird today, real meta as we dig into how we settled on the name of the podcast, The Road Provides, and how it reflects our approach to travel. Uh, real quick, I keep forgetting to do this. I want to give a big thank you and shout to my homie Rami, aka DJ Amin Ra. DJ Amin Ra. That's actually that's his real DJ name. That's not some. No, I know. I'm I'm just I'm giving some flavor to this. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like, like I keep mix with DJ Amin Ra. I just keep coming up with fake nicknames for you. I didn't want people to think that that was like fake or nothing. But he provided. You can't take me seriously. Uh, or me seriously because i keep coming up with these bullshit ass nicknames but uh anyway rami did the music for us that you hear in the beginning the end of the podcast you can find rami on ig at dj amin Ra, and that's a m e n r a he's one of the best djs in washington dc if you've ever been out on 14th and you or to the heist or park or something, Nate, I know you used to troll yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. Those Young 21 year old Nate who hardly looks 17 was out there grinding, <laughs> Gr grinding, not like with women, but grinding is in like, you know, putting in the hard work yeah, on the dance floor. Anyway, he's been there. Uh, speaking of travel, he's been riding out the pandemic in Egypt. My man is playing, my man is playing chess, not checkers. Anyway, back to the road provides. Uh, as a little aside, Nate, I was wondering if uh, if you've ever seen The Big Lebowski. I have. It's been a while. Um, but when I hear The Big Lebowski, I think of that bar where that Icelandic girl duped me in. I know we talked about it a few episodes ago. Uh, that is the PTSD trigger that happens when I hear the words Big Lebowski. Because it was named, the bar was, it was called it was The, the Big, Big Lebowski. Lebowski Bar, which is a, it was a great bar. Great movie, for great name dude. for a yeah. bar. I just, what I can't get out of my head is ever since we came up with the title, The Road Provides, I keep thinking of The Dude prov the dude Abides. I can so get behind kind of, that. Yeah, I'm hearing that too. And Do you think we're, we're carrying some similar energy in here? I can't unhear it, basically. Uh, and maybe it was in our subconscious when, when, uh, when we were kind of riffing and, and workshopping these names, but I'm with it. It plays. Yeah. Well, on that note, the dude, uh, we're going to get into our first uh, segment. We are keeping it OG, despite going meta in the middle of this podcast, like every other episode, with some travel takes, basically, uh, for those who are here for the first time. It's unconventional thoughts on anything in the travel realm. Uh, a hot take in general would be Kevin is the most popular Jonas brother. Uh, I don't think 
It's clearly I, Joe. It's I don't know. I think Nick brings some fucking heat too. I know Joe, got Joe Jones of, travel. Joe yeah. got Sansa Stark, bro. That's <laughs> yeah. mic drop. It's that's over. sick. Uh, that is that is great for him. Love the redheads. Uh, what kind of hot fire take are you spitting tonight? All right, Nate. This week I've got this bad boy all queued up, <clears throat> and it is travelers in their thirties should still be sleeping in hostels. Now, I know we've been heavy on the hostels in some of these podcasts. The truth is, Nate can't afford to stay in a resort, <laughs> and I'd rather not. But hear me out real quick on the, on the hostels. There has been a revolution in the hostel world over the last five years. Design and boutique hostels have popped up all over the globe. And I know what you're thinking, Brad, what the fuck is a design hostel? Well... Basically, what's happened is the travel world has filled this gap between shoestring backpacking accommodations and hotels. Designers have taken over 19th century mansions, warehouse factories, palaces, and other cool shit and made them in not just a place to lay your head, but also a place that you want to hang out in. Think like a place to stay, but then like smart cafes, rooftop lounges, cool music. It's like Brooklyn went backpacking. They're sleek clean and if you're against a shared room most of them offer private rooms for a third of the price of a standard hotel so it's it's the best of both worlds nate where do you stand well, on older travelers first of all are you i'm not now that I've, I've you know i'm hearing this take are you just doing this so you can stay at hostels is this like <laughs> trying to put it out to the world it's like so uh for those who don't know yes if i might ever, be poor yeah, but brad <laughs> is in his 30s so if you, if you ever see me <laughs> If you ever see me in a hostel, this is my get out of jail free. Yeah, exactly. I got a, I got the, um, I met Brad when he was thirties uh, at a hostel, more or less. So, uh, I will say, I think the biggest thing is, is you don't. I think I wish people could do this, but there are like creepy people in the thirties and forties traveling in hostels, and I, I've heard it. Not, I've not just seen it, but I've heard it as well. And I think, sure. if but I know these are like young boutique. people in hostels too, <laughs> that is true. There's just some weirdos out there on the road, uh, but. You have to ask yourself, is this, uh, am I the right person to interact with these younger folks? But I know, I, I understand what you're saying with some of these boutique hostels. And I think hostels have gotten better at offering accommodation for people who don't want to sleep in a room with 15 people. Yes. And, you know, it's just a price point that is is really appealing to a lot mm -hmm. of people. Yeah. And, and some of these places legit look like super modern, contemporary place, immaculately clean and like I said, just smart, you know, well-appointed. I've seen business, I've legit seen like 50-year-old business travelers staying in some of these places and they're not hanging around, like looking to hang out with younger people or-, or Listen, like people. singing Wonderwall on a guitar, wearing elephant <laughs> pants. They're like, they're doing, it's like they're, they're it's a refined just, environment. They're just the maybe in, in town for business and want to drop, you know, 60 bucks on a private room in a super nice hostel instead of dropping like, Paris, for example, you can't get a hotel in Paris for less than like 300 bucks a night. You know what I mean? Depending on the season. But you can get in one of these. I actually stayed in one the last time I was in Paris about a year ago. Super nice. And you can get a private room in there for like 85, 90 bucks. And that's a steal of a deal, you know, mm -hmm. for somebody who's who's really conscious about, about the price point. I have one more point about this that I think is uh, is really important to consider I believe like fun couples, boyfriend and girlfriend, maybe even married couples in their 30s should stay in a hostel like this. Now, let me set the scene. On a typical American seven-day vacation in Italy, you spend a couple days at the beach, hit a winery, 
private accommodation, stay in a beautiful Airbnb, but near the end of your trip, you end up back in Rome. It's Friday. You, you want to let the wanna, hair down. Yeah, it's time you to let party. The hair down. You want to party. You want to see. You're a fun couple. Yeah. <laughs> and you want to show everybody. And you want to you show, show it. You show to the world who you are. I mean, fun couple. But legit, man, everybody is getting older and, and still wants to party. Who still doesn't want to party? I hope you do. But anyways, you want to meet people your own age, maybe late 20s, early 30s. Is that happening at a hotel? Hell no. No. Hotel bars are fucking boring, bro. Mayo. Out of here. Enter the design hostel lounge or the rooftop terrace. Boom. You can still get a beautiful private room, like I said, and the money you save from staying there, you can put towards partying that night. I think it's I think it's a win-win. That's a really that's a really elite angle. I think you have there because I think you know, I, you know, who knows where I'll be in my 30s? Maybe I'll be in Happy What's that neighborhood you live in called? Happy Haven. Maybe I'll be living in Happy Haven, but uh at the same time, if I'm in, you know, a great partner, then I would love if that was my that was my Friday night in Rome. You know, that's that's best case scenario. And what's really cool about if you haven't had the hostel experience in your life and you're just kind of you know, used to to hotels or resorts or something like that, these places usually will kind of offer some kind of entertainment activity or at least put it out there whether they you know it's an hour of drinking sangria or mm. you know they they go out and see a, a live show or something like that so they do a little bit of that work for you if you don't really have a clue of what to do on a night out in rome which i don't blame you it's it's kind of difficult to navigate that like what are you going to do nate you and your girlfriend just going to rock up to a random nightclub by yourselves on a friday night in rome and get after it you know, it sounds like you don't have the elite attitude that I have because I say the road's going to provide. I'm going to go into that nightclub and tear it up with the same dance moves with DJ Ramia. I get that right? <laughs> Amin, Amin Ra. Amin Ra. The sun god. I think that's the sun god. Yeah, exactly. Great name. And then, uh, you know, transitioned into me and my girlfriend, hypothetical girlfriend, going to Rome. And yeah. Anyways. It, it's fair. I, it's a big play. But if you need some help, you know, guidance and some training wheels. The hostel provide the boutique. I love hostel that. Provides. Yeah. All right, let's switch it up. What do you? What do you got? Collab a collab us? with a collab with Hostel World. The hostel provides. Wow. That's season two. We're we're finally monetizing. <laughs> All right, my hot take is go to the armpits of the world, go to the buttholes, go to the taints around the globe. Let me name a few for you. There's a lot. There's 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 a decent few in Asia. Phuket. Kos- Kaosan Road? Kosan Road? Kosan Road in, ba- Kosan in Bangkok. Road in, in Bangkok. Uh, Kuda in Bali. And like the red, I, I even think the red light district is kind of like that same seedy touristy vibe in Amsterdam. That's a hot take. This okay. is a hot take. That's fair. There is an expression, the sweet is never as sweet without the sour. I want you to get in there and fucking feel that sour. It's like putting a warhead, five warheads in your mouth. Because that's what going to these places is, is like. You're going to see the grimy, the sleazy, the bullshit, the sex tourism, people grabbing your arms, trying to sell you drugs. It is just chock full of uncomfortable experiences. So why would you go to a place like this? I think the two big things is that it prompts you to say, I don't want to go back to these places again, and you're more keen to avoid it. But at the same time, you're going to be able to spot tourist traps and like the same kind of bullshit at a lesser degree. It kind of is like getting forged by fire. And so 
all in all, I think going to some of those places made me more keen to get further off the beaten path. What are your thoughts, Brad? I'm with you. I I, I agree. And to, to riff off your point, uh, it's kind of like when you're just getting started dating, you have to date a couple assholes to know what to avoid in the future, right? <laughs> yeah. You, you've got There's a few to, frogs. Yeah. You've got to get burned once or twice to, to be able <laughs> to know what to avoid when you're moving forward. And that's kind of the same on, on the road. You've got to experience what you don't like or what might be just too much for you, too seedy, or sometimes just insane, like chaotic and messy. Yeah. So, so uh, I'm with you and I think it's, it's a, yeah, a good baptism. I'm, I'm curious, is there an armpit that you've actually fallen in love with on the road? That is a good some, question. Some place where you're initially like, oh, hell no. But then by the end of it, you're like, you know, these are my people. I kind of like think, how weird this is. I think, um, there's a few things I want to say that I I'll get to this. Why I haven't been to Phuket? I've been to Kosan Road. I've been to Kuta. I've been to the Red Light District. Uh, I've been to those three, but I've not been to Phuket, and I'll explain why in a second. But I will say I went to the full moon party. I was there with you, Brad. Mm-hmm. And I think Kofunyang is just one of those places that is just it's made for partying, and it just breeds that kind of like CD party atmosphere. It's like here is a bucket of like dynamite. <laughs> Drink it. <laughs> Give me $6 worth of bot and, you know, bada bing, bada boom, you're blasting off. By the end of it, I think I had a really good time because of the people. And I think that's kind of like the role of the dice of these places is you can have a good time if you're with the right group of people. And if you're with the right group of people who you feel comfortable with, maybe you're in a big, big enough group, that won't like all the, kind of that sea shit won't happen to you. Uh, then I think you can have a good time. But I'm not going to say I ever fell in love with any of these places. I kind of, when you were going down this road, I kind of also wanted to include like cities that were just kind of messy, you know, uh, or a ton of traffic or smog. What example of that? Hustle and bustle. So I actually fell in love with a place like that, that I don't think a lot of people really enjoy or, and it's funny, I've mentioned this to a couple Indians and one of my favorite places in the world, hands down is old Delhi in- yeah. In New Delhi, it is just insane. It's like it's like Frogger, the video game. There, like, there are just people everywhere, and it's it can be run down a little bit. It's it's just chaos defined. Every one of your senses is getting blasted. It is just every corner you turn. There's some new flash of of color or smell that just knocks you on your ass, and I absolutely love it. And I know, I know a lot of people who have to do business down there and I've talked to some locals down there and they just avoid it like the plague if they don't have to, cause it's so difficult and it's so intense and it's so loud, but bro, give me a camera by myself. I don't want anybody with me. And I just want to get lost and run around places like this. Sometimes I like those like dodgy alleys with just weird, you peek down. Now I'm and picturing be- you like physically running down an alley and I'm like, that doesn't look good for anyone. <laughs> But there, I love it. I love some of these places that are just, but I love chaos. And I love, I love these like little holes in the wall where who knows what these people are doing. Could be clandestine, could be, you know, just honest. People trying to live their life, yeah. Honest as Abe or just, you know, trying to hustle and do whatever. Anyway, that that's my bit on it. One last yeah. thing I, I do want to say about that you touched on too is like, 
some of these places really expose you to like con artists, hustlers, you know, the dodgy ilk of the world. And you need that knowledge in a country. You need to be able to like see those people and sniff them out. So that person's up to no good. Yeah. So maybe when it's not, cause it's really, it can be really concentrated in certain cities and certain yeah. parts of the world. So I think it, to expose yourself to that, as long as you know, you, you know, you're not doing it drunk or you're kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah, you're not too out of control. Yeah. Then, then it's good. When I first went to Barcelona when I was 21 and I, and I got caught in one of those street gambling games and I lost like 50 bucks in 30 seconds. And I needed to learn that lesson. I never did it again, but I got hustled straight up. And I was like, I'm a Mark. I'm an idiot. I'm yeah, 21. Yeah. I should, now I know better than to. You, you gotta roll with the punches. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's switch it up. We're going to do something different this time around. We want to dig into the title of our, of our podcast. It wasn't just some catchy BS thing we kind of put together. I think it kind of resonated with both of us. The road provides. I had this big description written out, Nate, using words like tenant and creed and fate and bullshit. And, and then I figured I was like, man, I was like, let's just tell some stories, ask some questions, and hopefully listeners will just get it at the, the end of it. Hopefully. Yeah. I think it's worth mentioning the reason Brad and I have done this podcast is because I think even when I was 22 and like just greener than green, my third day in Asia, you saw that I had like the, the right mindset. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I would agree. Despite being a bit naive, a bit naive, very naive. And yeah, a bit, for sure. <laughs> a, a bit ignorant. I don't know how many times I can say naive, but I think, you know, that's we, you and I really connect on this. And that's why I think this has been a project worth investing in because we do see eye to eye in a lot of ways on this. Absolutely. So it's going to be a little back and forth off the cuff, but we both kind of wanted to tell a story here in the beginning uh, that illustrated the road provides. So there's no easy transition to this. Nate, tell me a story. Okay. I feel like this is weird because we like to just like, you know, slide them in in between like little points and whatnot. But uh, I, whether or not people have heard, I've done the Mongol rally. It is where you drive a small car under 1.2 liter, under a thousand euros uh, from Europe to Mongolia. We did over 53 days, my two Dutch friends, an Irish friend, and uh, we uh, went through 17 countries. Um, sorry, I counted them, Brad. The big, uh, one of the big experiences is two weeks before we got to this region of Tajikistan or Tajikistan, uh, there was an ISIS attack on four bike riders. And they, these people claimed they were ISIS and killed these four bikers. It's about two hours north of the Afghan border. And we were going to get down to the Afghan border and then drive along after the Afghan border for three, four days. So we agreed that we're caravan with the Southern American team. And we're like, we're going to get through this where the ISIS attack was, and then we'll stop and then make our way. And we kind of had to get to the next place. Like we were like, what's, we're going to sleep on the Afghan border tonight. So we haul ass through and I was like, okay, we're through this like dangerous region. And we were like, all right, let's get out and like have a beer. Cause usually we'll have like a beer in the car. Don't worry, nothing too reckless. But we get out and I was like, all right, guys, four minutes. I'm, I'm kind of driving and, and driving, if you, if you know. And so I go, all right, guys, four minutes. And during this time, this like older man's like, hey, come over here. And I was like, all right, yeah, yeah all right, see what's happened. And so I walk over there and he starts giving us hot pot, melon, tea. And we, he, one guy speaks English, so he starts talking to us. And so then everyone kind of comes over. The eight of us are in there talking. And I step out to call my parents and be like, hey, we made it through the zone. We get back and he's like hey they invited us back to their house and like they're gonna you know kind of show us a good time and i was like yes like this is i think kind of the bigger picture is you don't want to go don't rush things if you can have an opportunity like this so we go back to their house and we all kind of caravan over there and all of a sudden 
they're sharpening a knife and like this Passat wagon pulls up and they pull out a live goat. And I'm like, why are they sharpening the knife? What are they doing with the goat? And then I'm like, oh, Bing. and they grab the goat's head and the guy that who the only guy who speaks English goes, this is for our guests and then cuts the head off the goat. And what happened that night is just this huge kind of ongoing bit of hospitality where they were giving us vodka shots and we were dancing, singing songs from their culture. They cooked this goat for us. You know, we're kind of just sharing stories and, and commonalities for until like three in the morning. We spent the night at their house. The next morning, they show us this beautiful old 10th century kind of like castle and then gave us these like Tajikistan hats and then sent us on our way. Sweet. But I left that. And I think why this story is so important to me is, you know, I think the world isn't as scary and dangerous as everyone makes it out to be. And I know that most people won't travel through Tajikistan, but I think even still this fear of going to other places, this fear of the unknown is kind of unwarranted. And I think there are times to be nervous, but at the same time, I left that with a general appreciation and hope that things like this will continue to happen. And uh, you kind of have to put yourself out there and, and the rest will kind of, I guess, in, in a word, the road would provide. Yeah. I think what's what really, you? I think what's really cool about that story is you went to two extremes. You went from, I imagine being in the back of your head, like fearing for your life or knew that that was on the table, maybe something that was le- like a legit concern. Yeah. And then coming out on the other side of that and then being just open, being embraced by humanity, by a family, by, you know, by people. Yeah. It was like and, the whole town. It was, sh- it was really cool. Yeah. yeah. And showed this great, this great expression of hospitality. Yeah. And, and I mean, I've never seen, I've never seen hospitality as good as that. Uh, yeah. So that's rad. Yeah. All right. What about you, Brad? What's your, uh, what's your ethos? What story sums up the road provides? So basically I'm doing around the world trip. It's 2009, I think. Miami, Columbia, LA, Australia, Japan, Washington, DC for a wedding, back to Japan, then India. I was supposed to do the Camino de Santiago after that, but something came up. So that's the big picture. And the story takes place. I'm in India. I've got a date with the Dalai Lama. I had planned this, my, my trip kind of around him giving a speech in Dharamsala. If you're not aware, um, that's a hill town in like the dead north of India, just on the border of the of the Himalayas, the Himalaya, if you will. He takes residence there. If you're confused, uh, Tibetans have set up a government in exile in India since 1960. Mm. So anyway, the table is set. This is going to go pretty fast. <laughs> Here comes the road provides. So the day before the Dalai Lama speaks, I meet some people in this town that I that I told you about. And they're going to my next destination after. They invite me to join them on their trip that they've arranged. The bus leaves right after the Dalai Lama speaks. So what do I do? I get absolutely wrecked that night before. Just a little little pro hack right here. Don't get hammered the night before you go to see the Dalai Lama speak. So I wake up the next morning. I am like scrambling through the hotel room, trying to get all my stuff together. I forget that you're supposed to bring your own radio transistor and headphones to listen to him speak and then listen to it being trans because they do a live translation. I get in there, I walk through security and I'm standing there and I'm like, you fucking idiot. 
<laughs> hung over with a splitting headache and you're just going to stand here and listen to him speak in a language that you don't understand. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, this American climbs this fence over to where I'm at and says something to me. And he's like, what, you don't have any earphones? I was like, no. And he goes, I've got a splitter for the radio device and an extra pair of headphones. And I'm just like, boom. Who is this guy? My Guardian man, Angel. <laughs> he has just blessed me. And I was like, that was the first thing. The Dalai Lama starts speaking. He's riffing on some like passage out of their scriptures or whatever, whatever. I'm not that interested. But then at the end, he notices that there's a bunch of like foreigners, Westerners and travelers there. And he drops this jewel on me, Nate. He goes, traveling is a way is, is is escapism it's a way of searching for something outside of yourself people who keep moving and leaving where they are to go somewhere else aren't focusing on what what is inside that is where your peace is and as a habitual backpacker and traveler i was just like boom my head exploded Dalai Lama ends i'm like oh shit i gotta grab my bag and catch this bus ran up grab my bag come back down looking for my bus the bus is leaving now, supposed to leave. I can't find it. I turn around. There is a bus like pulling away, about to go on the main street. All of a sudden, one of the people I met, this girl, Sam, shouts to Samantha Mannix. Big ups girl goes, Brad! The bus screeches to a halt. And I'm like, oh my God, I almost missed this bus that I had paid for and the friends I was going to travel with. Run, grab the bus. Bus takes us to the next train. Get to the train station. I don't have a ticket. They have a ticket. I can't buy a ticket because the tickets are sold out. They're like, just get on the train anyway. Samantha, Sam, Samantha is like, you can just sleep in my bed. Bed. It's like a sleeper train. If, yeah. you, if you need to. Get on there. Sure enough, like 10 o'clock at night, guy comes asking around looking for tickets. He's like, you ain't got a ticket, buddy. There's a problem. And I'm like, oh. I was like, can I just buy one? He's like, I don't know. Flips through his ledger. There's like a hundred book spots all booked. And then there's just this one space open left. And one it's line. The, and it's the bed across from my friends. Bang. So we get on the train. We wake up in Rishikesh, which is where we're going and where I'm supposed to stay and study yoga. We have no idea what we're doing in Rishikesh, where we're going. I met a girl in Australia, like I said, at the beginning of this trip, who's like, when you're in Rishikesh, I'm staying at this hotel, hostel, find me. We get dropped off in Rishikesh. I take like... 20 steps, what's right there? That hostel. The the hotel this girl is staying in. I go to the clerk at the front. I'm like, hey. I was like, I'm trying to find Imogen. And I was like, is she here? She's like, not here. I was like, dang. And it's holy. Do you know what holy is? It's like one yeah, of the yeah, biggest yeah, yeah. festivals in India. It's where they throw all like the powdered paint yeah, yeah, and everything. It's, crazy. it's insane. So the town is just jumping off. And I'm like biting, you know, chomping at the bit to get out there and get in the party. And I go, all right, well, can I get a hotel room? And he goes, Sorry, fella, we are all booked. I was like, well, can I just walk in and knock on the door and see if Imogen's there? He's like, sure thing. Knock on the door. She's not there. We turn around, and just as I turn around, there are two guests are leaving, or leaving the room and go to the hotel clerk and go, by the way, we're checking out today. The hotel clerk looks at me and goes, well, do you want this room? Bang! Bang. I was like, oh, my God. Sure enough, I'm dropping my stuff. Emo, Imogen comes back and is like, Brad, what's going on? I can't believe you're here. He's like, I just forgot something at the hotel. I came back, come join the party. And I was like, bang, amazing. So the thing is, is like, 
I had no plans. I had no idea what was going on. I had failed literally at every stage of, of where I should have been a responsible traveler, backpacker, everything. I had just left it all to chance, chance to travel gods, to people, to the world for things to work out. And holy shit, they worked out. So that's, that's it for me for the road provides. It was, it was like 24 hours of just madness of everything that could go could go wrong didn't and what people's just hospitality and people just telling me to like to join them and or me just refusing to i don't know to accept that is, my fate it was wild that's um, i mean i i've i've seen some good luck on the road but that seems like a like an unreal hot streak like in nba 2k that'd be like the fire basketball that's what that was you just <laughs> kept on nba jam yeah he's on fire britney spears lucky you just keep on winning i think you know First of all, I imagine like Dalai Lama like turning over and looking at you and, and saying, "Granted, translated." What did he say? You can't don't like, like you can't find what, what you're looking. Uh, what you're looking for is outside of yourself in tra- like in travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you've got to look within, Brad. You've got to look within. I think uh, that's an important point. Uh, you know, I think about it a lot, and like I think I told you in the last pod where someone comes and goes. Nate, what are you running from? When I was about to leave for Asia, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nah, I'm not running from anything. And I think the road won't fix you, right? Like you can't go there and be like, well, if I spend a month at some, you know, silent yoga treat in Nepal, I'm going to come out holy as a new person. Yeah. I think you have to meet the road with where you're at, whether you like it or not. It just is one of those things that the longer you're out there, I don't know, that you will change, but you can't force it. To that point, there's always been this uh, saying that stuck with me is like, wherever you go, there you are. You know what I mean? So there's no mm-hmm. point in running because you are who you yeah. are. But what uh, what I've always appreciated about traveling and being on the road, and sure, it's been an escape for me every now and then. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. Like sometimes I just need to get out of where I've been just to clear my head or something like that. I'll, I'll own that. But being open to like what happens when you're traveling, to things that come up. And maybe being a different person or changing or, I don't know, sometimes I just feel like traveling and being on the road like facilitates that. If you're willing, if you're just closed-minded and you're like, I'm going to fucking go do this or whatever, and you're just so matter-of-fact of who you are and what you're going to do and what you're going to accomplish, I'm not really sure that some of these gifts and some of these opportunities will present you themselves to to people who are maybe more readily available and, and and open to such moments of humanity in your case or just dumb fucking luck in my dumb case luck. yeah i think i think it is a mindset in terms of like having just a complete trust and a complete faith that things will work out and i think you know that seems like such a big thing but it's also i don't know i think like there's like little things i went a full year without paying for a haircut that was like something i wanted to do and then I come back and I go, you know what? Haircuts are so cheap in Asia. I'm just going to start paying for it. And then from that point on, haircuts in a different country was kind of like one way to feel. It's like, you know, you go, I'm thinking of Kanye's lyrics, but uh, you go to like Chicago and like you get a pulse of a neighborhood from the barbershop, right? Yeah. But going into these places and just just trusting them that they're going to cut your hair. What I gathered from that is just kind of like a full, it's like a, it's like a kind of like a cathartic release where you're like, I trust you. I don't care what comes out of this. It's going to happen. You're letting go of control. 
Exactly. And that's that's a big part of it. We're so accustomed to living like these structured, rigid, like root, like well-constructed routines, right? Where we know who's cutting our hair or we know, yeah. you know, a friend of it's a like friend, such a personal thing, right? It's a known entity and we're so self-sufficient, right? And if we can't do it for ourselves, like an app will do it for us. But on the road, it's the complete opposite. You're going to have to let go and let a stranger help you if it's getting a haircut or ordering something in a menu, you don't, you know, you don't speak the language. And it's almost kind of like learning how to survive as an adult again, because you've yeah. removed, you've stripped all these, these like, known like the pillar, the pillars of the life you built aren't there yeah. when you're, you know, some weird corner of the world. Bang. Absolutely. And so when it comes to the road provides, and when I think of it, I just want to blow all that up. Now, when I go abroad, I want to just deconstruct and, and strip myself from all of that and dive into the madness and see what it's like. And as your story illustrated and, and as I've experienced as well, <clears throat> I've been blown away by how many new opportunities have come up or how many generous strangers I've met. And what's crazy, it's the most generous strangers I've met are the ones who have like the least to offer or you would have expected the least from. And you feel this like sense of humanity and that shit provides. Yeah. That road, that feeds your soul. That stuff you take home, you can't buy that at a, <laughs> you, a, you, a it's, not a, it's not like a trinket. It's not yeah. a, it's not a, it's not a keychain. It's not elephant pants as we love. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, I, I, I've talked about kind of like the general framework of how I travel, which is uh, in a few words, cheap vehicular travel. That's the three words I would say to describe. <laughs> but I think why it's so addicting is because when you put yourself out there, the lows could be lower, but the highs are when you're completely off the script and you kind of just put your trust in the road. I, I, I don't know how you'd say this without sounding wanky. We're, we're but, hammering it right now. We're fully exactly. embracing the wanky but yeah, exactly, meta exactly. spiritual. But you, if, you put it, if you put it out there, then it's like you, the, when it does come back, you're just blown away and like, any act of kindness really feels that much grander and that much sweeter and endears you so much more to that place. Absolutely. Do you think there are times where like are things where travel has changed you, has make you grow, has helped you heal? Does that make sense? There are times. Yeah. Where, you know, the road has, has provided these moments that have really either enlightened me or changed me or yeah, provided the opportunity for, to heal but the older I've gotten, I think the more I've realized that like I made that happen, you know? Yeah. And the road facilitated it, but at the same time I was I was like ready for it. Yeah. And so I think you can bring some of that spirit home. And that's something as I've recognized kind of the escapism of just keep going and traveling all the time and leaving whatever yeah. I've have and disconnecting. I've tried more and more to to bring that experiences and that and that feeling that we're kind of talking about yeah. this way of life back to just kind of how I live at home. And so what that looks like is really stripping down what my life looked like and just living really simply and kind of enjoying a lot more freedom in my day to day and not having yeah. such a orchestrated or structured way of life. I think I, I think a lot about because I mean, you know, I came back from more or less two two years on the road. I moved to Denver because I thought it was a place that would facilitate some of those stimulating, uh, you know, like I can go hiking every day, but I've realized it's not even like getting out into nature or driving down these back roads that is the most stimulating. It's 
trying to get better at certain things. So I think during this quarantine, I know if people are listening who are my friends know this very well, it's like a huge part of my identity. I bought an expensive pair of rollerblades and it has been my like absolutely cathartic the road provides in a different way in this one because <laughs> the you know, blades. I, think I, I have, but I, I do explore different back roads, um, not far from my house, but it's the same kind of sense of freedom that I get on, you know, a scooter in Southeast Asia. I can get on rollerblades. So I think it's when, when the dust settles, when you are home from the, from the road, it's really important to think about, you know, what things can kind of keep that part of your brain working and moving. And I think there's yeah. something to be said for people who have a, a, it's, I don't know if it's genetic or mental, but a a thirst and a quest for exploration, mm, right? Definitely. And, and I imagine when you blade and you're out there ripping around, like you're probably checking out new parts of town, parts of Denver that you've never seen, right? And you're seeing things from a different vantage point, different perspective. And I know I have that in me. I always have this sense of finding and exploring things I don't know mm-hmm. to open up you know, my, my bigger sense of knowledge and, and, and whatnot. One last little quick, and we can, we can get out of here with this. I think really boils down for me is like, I, I believe there's this false sense of security in information in general, mm-hmm. but information you find in, in the internet or even in books that somehow like Condé Nast traveler or worse, like a YouTube vlogger can actually tell you what's happening in a place, particularly as it like pertains to each unique traveler. So so my point of view is like ditch those outlets and listen to the metaphorical road. Get back in touch with your instincts. Listen to and see what feels real when you're traveling. Honor that shit. And that yeah. like I think everybody could could do that in in a more as on their day to day, but when you're traveling that really that pays dividends and that's something you really need to lean on and if you if you really invest in that when when you're seeing the world and traveling, like I think that's where it can really pay off. I think uh, the whole trust your gut thing is is exactly right, and I think you know there's times, and I think one thing that is important to mention, and uh, we, you know you can't see us, but we are two. How tall are you? Five eleven. You, don't you shave inches off me, bro. Fucking sh- short oh, king over here. Bro, I was like 6'1", and then I think I've lost an inch. My brother's like, oh, I have a twin. Okay. And with so the same height. Say, and just, and, and now, now I'm shorter than him. I think I lost a fucking inch. God I damn. think, uh, Getting old let's just sucks. say we're both six foot white dudes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think we talk a lot about, you know, isolated, like travel, and there's some privileges we can afford, especially in some parts of the world where, you know, machismo is, is really prevalent. And, Sure, uh, or my skin color, or my eye skin color, color or my hair you're color. always going to get respected in that. You know, I think there's a lot of times where I trust my gut, but at the same time, I know that I have the ability to do that because time and time again, I've rarely been fucked with. So I do know that that is something that isn't the same for everyone, but I think there is a whole trust the gut thing that can, you know, there are times where I'm like, this doesn't feel right, this doesn't feel right, and you can call it or get out of a situation. But at the same time, kind of flipping the script, which is kind of what we're talking about. I met a guy for 20 minutes when I was selling timber in New Zealand, and he said, come and sail my sailboat in Australia. And I said, yes. And so he gave me his email, and I emailed him, and I was like, hey, I'm going to be there in December. And he's like, all right, I've got a place for you to stay, a car for you to drive. We'll go sailing and bring your drinking boots. <laughs> and so I pick him up. Uh, he picks me up from the airport in Tasmania. It's, ta- it's fucking Tasmania. And Legend. he picks me up from the airport, and I'm like, I've, no- I've talked to this guy for like 10 minutes. And he has, he, like, when I met him, he had a captain's hat on, still got his captain's hat on. I go, this guy's like an all time legend. I think he's like the Australian version of the most interesting man in the world. Yeah. But 
I just had this faith when I met him. I had this vibe, this gut that I said, I want to go do this. And like, this seems like I'm going to take him up on this. Like this, this hand has been extended and I'm going to take it. And it was an amazing three days where like these retired Aussies just drank me under the table and we went sailing and we drove to the end of the world. And it was, it was one of those things where I was so proud of myself for kind of seeing the opportunity and and kind of being open to it. And uh, you know what? The road, the road sure as shit provided on that instance. (laughs) Yeah. Hell yeah. All right, man, let's, uh, let's get into our last segment. We're going to, you know, pivot from our off-trail destinations to on-trail destinations. What's an on-trail destination? It's a can't-miss. It's a home run. You have heard of it, but we are telling you, you should go. So, Brad, what is this tasty little on-trail destination you're bringing to me at this time of the night? I'm not going to lie to you, Nate. I am straight nervous about this one. I feel like I'm introducing my girlfriend to my parents. (laughs) Who would do that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is a place I absolutely am in love with and has a a part of my... I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Anyway. Your heart, your no, fucking heart. No, get the fuck out of here. All right. a big, a part of your big horse cock? Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> All right. I'm talking about Rio de Janeiro. I'm telling you, ask around. Find me somebody who hasn't had a great time in Rio. I'll wait. Better, better yet, <laughs> find, me, find me in my DMs. If you, if you can find somebody, DM me. Anyways, um, there aren't many places on this planet that can change how you see the world, that can so profoundly affect your spirit. Rio is one of them. I've been to Rio five times. I have changed my flight or bus four out of the five times to leave there. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, Brad, the beach, the women, the soccer, the party. Of Of course you don't wanna leave, but you're wrong. The surface level stuff, the temporal aspects of a city isn't what grabs your soul the way Rio has grabbed my soul. That stuff doesn't make you want to stay. If that were true, nobody would leave Disneyland or Las Vegas. Am I right, Nate? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I, 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 I'm probably like a two day at both of those places. If that, I'm probably not going to go. Yeah, same. Rio invites you, it begs you even, to be so goddamn free with your body, with your voice, your sexuality. All you have to do is say yes to it. The city, much like the beautiful game Me and Eight Love, is a constant ebb of ecstasy and suffering. It's samba on a knife's edge, driving you to live so passionately aware and alive that when you return to the suburbs of America, ice cream might not taste the same. Flowers might lose their smell and watching TV on the couch might feel like a death sentence. I have no list of things to do in Rio de Janeiro. Like I said, when you're there, all you have to do is say yes. When you walk by a group of people dancing in the middle of the street at 2 p.m., say yes. When you're at the beach and there's a circle of guys juggling a soccer ball, tell yourself yes when it's late and somebody says let's go skinny dipping in the ocean for sunrise say yes that's it nate that's all i've got i i might mention the food's incredible and if you're not familiar with what a caipirinha is it is the rocket fuel that powers any great day of partying in brazil 
Anyways, I will do a couple quick hits, I guess, just some logistics stuff for you guys. It's about nine hours to get down there from the U.S. Flights range from 700 to about 1,000. This place is is well known throughout the world. Accommodations are not a problem, but I would really suggest getting an Airbnb in Rio. It's nice to have some privacy in kind of your own place and by the beach would be ideal. That's it, Nate. That's big Brazil. Well, That's real. If That's... I'm going to say one word to respond to you, it's going to be yes. Uh, <laughs> as you know, I've never been to South America. And uh, for me, I'm like, I'm just like, it's wait, I'm waiting. It's like, uh, it's like me in Africa. Yeah, I think for me, it's like you want to do it so big and so large, you can't just go take a quick hit. No, no, no. You need a couple, couple months. You want to like, or you need a bunch. Yeah, of you want to like sit. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a feast. I want to just go and have like a ten course feast. I'm just not like, I'm not gonna have like a one bite of the appetizer. I want the whole thing. And so, I obviously think Brazil isn't on the highest of my list in South America. But when you describe it like that, it just seems like a place you drop yourself into and just get immersed in the magic. You just get swept up. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you don't need a list of things to do. There are a bunch of cool things to do there. But literally, just like walking down the boardwalk any time of the day, you are going to be absolutely entertained by the sounds, by by women of all shapes of and sizes wearing like the small, you know, bikinis everywhere, dudes of all <laughs> colors and shapes and sizes wearing banana hammocks, people cooking street meat on corners, like dollar beers. The beach there, Nate, is like is like a living room for the society. You can you can wow. go there, plop a chair down. Somebody would come by with a newspaper. Somebody would come by with um, a swimsuit. Somebody would come by with uh, freshly roasted shrimp. There's guys who serve you caipirinhas. You don't even have to leave. Everything happens there. It is just, it's... That sounds amazing. It's incredible. Maybe why I'm not so keen on it is because I burn so easily. Mm. But maybe buy me a bodyguard and a banana hammock, which would be an amazing one-two punch, and I'm there. I think that's what I need is the rash guard Yep. on top banana hammock on the bottom and that will be the perfect combo all right well i'm excited about that i also i mean i think i have heard of rio de janeiro once or twice uh so yeah that is a good on trail destination it's, uh, i'm gonna take it back to you guessed it asia what are you gonna say <laughs> i will say another on trail thing for brazil real quick is carnival Nothing mm-hmm. like you've ever seen in, in, in your life and will probably ever see again. Uh, there's a reason millions of people go there every year. It's worth going. It's just bonkers. Yeah. It's just absolutely. I've seen, I've seen pictures and I go, I can't believe this is on planet Earth. Yeah. It's, you know, it just seems it's like, so. It's like Mardi Gras times uh, 100. It's like I can understand why you'd go to a place like that during Carnival and then go back to your suburb and try to sit on the TV and you're like, oh, no, I'm bored. Oh, no. <laughs> you start getting withdrawals. I got a case of the Rios. Yeah. I got to get back out there. It's heavy. Anyways, oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to throw my banana hammock and see what happens. I wear a banana hammock now. Oh. I mean, it's not like a true hammock. It's kind of like, you know, like, what are those underwear uh, joints? Like the uh, the shorts? Boxer briefs? Like, yeah, like but they're kind of like boxer yeah, briefs, yeah, yeah. Swim, swim trunks. That's that's my yeah, that makes sense. It's my lane now. Definitely it, a bit of a bulge though. It, anyway, uh, what are you what are you uh, popping off with? Yeah, as I you know, as you guessed it, I'm taking you back to Asia. It's all it's just one big Asia is just like it's your the world for me. Yeah, you're telling me I'm in a basement in Denver. And I'm not in Asia right now. That's what I'm trying to say. So I have shat on Bali in every episode at the same time, 
I think it's a great on-trail destination. Bali is an, is a treasure of an island uh, in Indonesia, and I could go on about other islands in Indonesia. But why Bali is so great is because, you know, people say, "Oh, like I like Starbucks. That makes me basic." There's a reason people call basic shit basic because it's likable. Surfing, yoga, partying, ripping scooters around, seeing temples, swimming in waterfalls. That's cool shit. It's all cool shit. And so I'm going to talk about a few places in Bali that I think people know about. And I'm going to talk about a few that maybe aren't so well known, but provide the same heat. Canggu, it is like a California beach town in the middle of Indonesia. It is just long-haired demigods with tattoos all over their body, shirtless, riding custom motorcycles with surfboards on the side. It's fucking sick. I mean, as crazy as it is, as as Western as it is, you can still get an acai bowl for $3. Why would you say no to a $3 acai bowl? Anyways, above that is Ubud, and I think this is the cultural hub of Bali. It is what the, the Bali people know and love. It is the yoga... It is the monkey temples, the beautiful lush forest. It's the rice paddies. This area really does do wonders for your soul, from what I hear. I spent a few days there, but you don't have a soul, Nate. What you I don't have me? a soul, so I don't know what it I could wouldn't do. Know. <laughs> but it is a really special place, and I know my sister and my best friend spent three weeks there, just like doing yoga and eating acai bowls, and it just they left that feeling with their with their tanks full. Yeah, rejuvenated. I will say. There's some awesome hiking. You can hike the two uh, volcanoes. But up north, there's a Med and Lavina. And these two places give you the same ratata, a bit more low-key. It's kind of one of those places you go and either scuba dive, you go and rip the scooter up to that iconic shot. You know what I'm talking about? Like the two, It's like the volcano in between. In the, those little like... In between those two like kind rock, of pillar things. like sculpted things. I really need to be better about talking about this if I'm really <laughs> saying it's an on-trail destination. But go get that picture. It's a sick picture. It's my sister's profile picture, and she looks great. Everyone everyone loves it. It's a great picture. Anyways, overall, just the island provides so much. There are so many things to do. You're going to be with other cool, like-minded travelers along the way. You can learn to surf. You can learn to scuba dive. You can go hop into so many different other Indonesian islands. It is an absolute jumping-off point. You know, I think Aussies and Kiwis go there a lot, and the one thing I'll say, I went I was with there with Andy, and these two guys had like a really small duffel. One of them was barefoot. And I was like, what's up guy? Like, is that your only bag? He's like, we literally bring like three tank tops, a pair of flip-flops, which one of them had lost, like two pairs of shorts. And they just like go party for like 10 days. And I, what I, what I thought about that was that's all you need to have a good time in Bali. (laughs) And so I think it's worth going to, it's a, it's a great spot, but I don't know. You've been to Bali, Brad. What were your thoughts? Actually, I haven't. But uh-huh. but I like to I like to pass judgment on it and also yeah. make make up ideas of what I think Bali is. I've and I want to so I want to throw this off you. I've equated Bali to being the Cancun for Australians. Completely true. Like the Definitely not true. just Cancun, but um like Rocky Point, Cabo. No, 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 no. What is that state? Oh, it's gonna Baja. No, it's gonna drive me wild. Chihuahua. Nah. Anyways, so Bali is like the Cancun plus um, Tulum and uh, Playa del Carmen, like all in one, right? Mm. I've always kind of felt like that's what it was for Australians. But a bonus point for me is 
this isn't a hot take. Australians are so fun. People know Australians are my favorite people in the world. Brazilians are like one A, one B, but I love Australians. I really like Australian women. Just throwing that out there for anybody. So, yeah, why, it's like yeah, it's like you're going to Australia. <laughs> so it's like uh, well, you're getting Indonesia. It's it's yeah. a twofer. It's a twofer, and of course, I've seen the pictures and I've met. If you're in Southeast Asia, if you're a well-seasoned traveler, you've met a ton of people who've been to Bali, and I have not heard a bad word about it, aside from the point that it can be kind of blown out a little bit. But yeah, otherwise... But every, that's the asshole. Get, a, get out of the asshole and... Or it can just know, get a I little, think, like, you know, touristy backpackery where it's just a bunch of Westerners partying in a foreign country yeah. getting fucked up together. Yeah, and I think that that is the case, but I think there is the ability to to get out in there, and that's what I'm trying to say is... Yeah. But anyways, that's enough about Bali. I'm sure there's probably some fucking sick-ass Instagram accounts you could follow that would paint it in a better picture. There is no shortage of Bali content on Instagram. If you work remotely as a travel influencer, you have lived in Bali at some point. No doubt. And if you want to be or you want to know them, just go to Bali and you can throw a rock and hit one. If you ever want to become a life coach... The only place to learn how to do that is Bali. If you want to sell... This seems so insensitive. If you want to sell cookbooks that <laughs> of recipes that you derived from your trips on the road... Do you want to, you want to, to sell Bali. mud to put on your face? Move to Bali. Volcanic, is, volcanic mud that exfoliates? Exactly. I think we're on uh, something, mate. Well, um, thank you for for bopping with us and getting through this uh, this episode. That was a bit orthodox, but I think still had uh, still some pretty some pretty good nuggets, uh, especially from your end, Brad. I'm gonna build you up real quick. Appreciate it. I need I need that. Uh, really brought actually, some actually, I, flavor. Actually, I don't. I've got I've got enough. Uh... Your bell ringer headphones can hardly fit on that big old head of yours. <laughs> Anyways, I appreciate everybody listening. Let's do a bit of admin. If you if you're just listening to the, us for the first time or finding us, we're basically just on Instagram right now. We will be posting some of our places, some of our recommendations, some of our stories and, and photos on Instagram, just so you don't have to you know re-listen to the pod to to get some of the names of of where we were and what we were talking about. And that handle is the Road Provides Pod. What else? What else? Uh, like us on. Like and subscribe. Is that like and subscribe? That's what they say for YouTube. Subscribe and rate us yeah, review- on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, reviews. I think Malcolm too. Gladwell goes, it helps a lot. Yeah, he does. I love me revisionist history. Yeah. Um, and I think we've got about a, a couple episodes left. Any feedback you guys got? Anything? I, I got one today that, that we're going to try and plug into to a, a future episode. But any feedback, any things you guys want to hear about? If you like Brad's voice, uh, he is available, probably not emotionally, but to some capacity, <laughs> he is available. So I'm sure he'd appreciate some sort of a uh, slide. His handle is at one man caravan, which is uh, pr- almost as almost as catchy as the dude abides. Yeah. And and, and if you're into gingers, Nate's at <laughs> Big In Sunday. And rollerblades. And, and rollerblades. If anyone wants to have like a you know really great conversation about rollerblades, that's really what I'm here for on at Big End Sunday. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. And uh, hopefully there is some laughs. Hopefully there's some, uh, some knowledge here. And uh, we hope to see you again. This is The Road Provides. 
I'm burning up, burning up for the road.